0: Friday after another long week under the Trump administration. I'm here with Dante. Hi. And we have a few things we want to chat about that happened this week. Uh, To be quite honest, we just spent about 30 minutes trying to piece down uh, a long list and figure out exactly what it is we want to cover from this lengthy week of news. You know, We started this week with a little bit of reveling in the fact that healthcare seems to be dead for now. Uh, it's a week where the White House took on the Statue of Liberty uh, via their merit-based immigration plan that will get no legs and go nowhere. Base um, Yeah, exactly. It's get that base excited. Uh, and then we also have a week uh, where – or it's been a week where we found out that uh, General McMaster and uh, Mattis. Mattis have agreed that one of them has to remain in the country at least uh, to keep Trump in, in check. Yep. Um, only one of them can leave the country at a time. Parents so. have to
1: watch the infant all the time. <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, someone t- – like, did you see the cover of Newsweek by the way? I did not. The cover of Newsweek is a cartoon of Trump sitting in a Lazy Boy recliner with like chips and a remote and says Lazy Boy. Speaking of
1: Lazy Boy, Trump just left today for a 17-day vacation and that officially puts him over the total. Trump has now taken more vacation in his first six months than Obama took in his entire eight years in office.
0: That's insane. Where's he going?
1: No clue. Didn't one of his golf, go- one of his there. golf resorts. <laughs> yes, actually, yeah, it's his New Jersey golf resort is where he's staying.
0: He's vacationing for seventeen days in, in New Jersey, Jersey. Yeah, with Chris Christie, probably like, is that's probably can- an interview for Chris Christie. Yeah, they're probably going to argue over nachos. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Chris Christie will get in their face, in his face like a Brewers fan. He didn't
1: spill a single nacho.
0: He's, hey, it's tough. <laughs> hey, that man protects his nachos. Probably paid a good amount of money for those nachos though. Those oh, yeah. ballparks. Um. So yeah, that's a little ridiculous. I mean, we have the golfer in chief uh, who has. Um, I think one of the arguments on the campaign trail was that Obama's always out golfing. Right, and all and this Trump stuff never and
1: takes vacations. Right,
0: yeah. <laughs> he
1: literally said that. Trump, said, Trump never I, takes vacations. I never take vacations. I work all the time. I'm a workaholic.
0: <laughs> I've just been uh, binge watching Friends again, and uh, again. the the one again, the one episode where he's like, Joey, don't share food. I'm like, I get it. <laughs> me, <laughs> me neither. But Trump don't take vacations. Um, so yeah, so that's a little nuts. I mean, we have, uh, it's not like there's a lot of shit going on in the world or anything that he has to deal with. So oh. a 17 day vacation, a little over six months into the job seems quite all right. Yeah, he's, but he's
1: been working
0: hard. He has. The good news is he he's has a really, right. And he has a really solid team in the white house behind super him. Solid. Um, super solid, ready to continue on, uh, within his absence. No um, chaos. There's
1: no chaos whatsoever. No
0: chaos. Um, but you know, who's not going to be there to really help out? Aww. Scaramucci. Oh,
1: bye.
0: We've lost Scaramucci. That was a fun week. The best part about that is – I was reading – I forget what article it was. I'm sure it was The Washington Post or New York Times because who else is there today? Yeah. Um, But one of those uh, articles talked about how his official start date was not until August 15th. Oh, yeah.
1: He (laughs) he didn't even take the oath yet. So that
0: man, he – his wife filed for divorce citing how crazy he is about Trump in there in some fashion. Right. Um, Uh, He wasn't present for the birth of his child. Because of Trump. He sold his company or his hedge fund. Right. Right. Um, And that is a whole other issue which possibly will come up. Okay, So that's
1: actually the other angle that some people, especially the more right-leaning people in my firm, are arguing that it was his call to step down masked as him being let go because he realized – that his working for the Trump administration created a conflict of interest where his deal selling his hedge fund to a Chinese firm was less likely to be approved. Because in this country, uh, you have to have any sale of business to Chinese-held interests uh, confirmed by the government. Do you really think that's what happened? No, I don't. But that's the other angle, is that he, it came out right that he was worth about $85 million. His hedge fund. He he was that's asking. It. He was trying to get two hundred from from the Chinese firm for his hedge fund. So basically, more than doubling his net worth overnight. And he got scared and said, "I don't want to lose that. I like money more than I like Trump." So that's the uh, other less less funny angle. I like to think that Jim Kelly just came in and said, either said to Trump, either Mooch is out or I'm out.
0: Well, and they're also saying that after last week's tirade, uh, when he was speaking to Ryan Lizza, uh, the reporter, that after all of that and the discussing things that he said and the vulgarities yeah. and all that, that, melania and ivanka were also pushing but you know i believe melania potentially but ivanka has been like
1: yeah non-existent well, in sarah, H- of- sarah huckabee Huff- sanders said it was trump who thought everything he was saying was
0: inappropriate yeah but that's after she said that like didn't she say something about joking or something of that sort maybe I don't, I, who knows what she but said? but i just
1: find it amusing that like and the reporters too like she said that like the president just felt that everything he said wasn't appropriate and one of the reporters in the press pool in the in the room was just like with everything Trump has said on the record, what specifically right. does Scaramucci say that he felt was inappropriate? Right. And she goes, "Well, I don't want to get into details." And blah, blah, blah. she, could Huckabee sandered it, but
0: <laughs> she Huckabee sandered it. Wow. Hashtag. Yeah. Um, Doesn't really roll all the time. <laughs> yeah. How could be standard? Well, that's not the only thing that happened in the press briefing room uh, this past week. Ugh. And we won't spend a lot of time on it, but there's a really interesting... As
1: Stephen Colbert says, the country's national forehead reserves.
0: Stephen Miller. <laughs> <laughs> it's Stephen Miller uh, <laughs> introducing or discussing the immigration plan that uh, is merit-based and has them... Uh, you have to, what, be financially stable? Financially stable. Speak English. Already
1: fluent in English.
0: Um... Uh, like to play golf. Y-
1: younger people get preference. Oh, good. Yeah. Good. So apparently I, – I forget who did the analysis, but like under their purported system, the ideal candidate would be a 26 to – 26 to 36-year-old um, single PhD who speaks English and who makes – or who can get either makes three times more than market for their line of work, or can get offers that are three times more than market. I don't know. I, it's just—it's just like Jim Acosta's point in that whole debacle about like basically engineering the population. Like, yeah. While I do think it was overstepping for a reporter to get into jabs, like just you're supposed to report what they say, and not argue with them. I agree with that point.
0: Yeah, but I think that's also another conversation to have, right? Like, he did not start his line of questioning with the Jabs. His line of questioning took that turn once he was receiving the ridiculous answers that he was from Stephen Miller. Right,
1: but see, that's, to me, as a reporter, that's when you write down those ridiculous answers, ask, like, you can ask with an incredulous tone, but ask questions off of that that get him to say even more ridiculous shit, write all that down, and then
0: go write a scathing article about Which essentially is what happened. That's essentially what happened. Look, I think the story developed the way it did because of the reaction that he got from Stephen Miller yeah. when he was going after him. And Stephen yeah. Miller kept digging his hole talking about the Statue of Liberty but, oh, and By, by about, the way,
1: but I, just one thing I want to point out that I, I think... I don't want to get into this too much because this story has been covered to death. Yes. Um, but the one thing I will say that has been covered to death about this story is that the particular insult that Stephen Miller uses against Jim Acosta is this displays your severe cosmopolitan bias <laughs> And hang on, I want to I want to word for word read, um, read the definition of
0: cosmopolitan. Of cosmopolitan, <laughs> because it is not what Stephen Miller thinks it is. He well, Stephen Miller is just a whole other story here. Like uh, he apparently when he was younger, I think I guess when he was in college or high school or something of that sort, um, he okay. his immigration stance was very was well known. Right. You, know, you have to speak English to be here, things like that.
1: So I just googled. Define cosmopolitan so that way you guys can find the exact definition I'm about to read. I'm not pulling this out of my ass. Cosmopolitan. Definition number one, adjective. Familiar with and at ease in many different countries and cultures. (laughs) So yes, I would say Jim Acosta is rather
0: cosmopolitan and there's nothing wrong with that, Jim. Keep on doing you. (laughs) You do you, Jim. You do you. But anyway, so we had that happen. It's been a really interesting week uh, in terms of White House staffing um, you know, you have General Kelly coming in as the new White House Chief of Staff, and he seems to have been. Slash, grumpy grandpa. Grumpy grandpa. Seems to be riding the ship a little bit in terms of just it did, things did calm down on a staff level once he stepped in. Apparently, he wanted. Part of his conditions was that everyone reports to him. Yep. He's the gatekeeper to Trump, um, which only goes to seclude Trump a little bit more. Well, which is and interesting. it'll be
1: interesting to see if he's that stringent with Ivanka and Jared, too.
0: Like, Definitely not.
1: Yeah, even the president's daughter. Because, like, well, first of all, we've never had a case where the president's daughter and son in law have been working for him. But it's <laughs> kind of hard to say, like, you know, from Jim Kelly's perspective, I think he wants to say, absolutely, they're, they work for the administration. They report to me just like everybody else does. But I feel like Trump is like, absolutely not. My daughter <laughs> and her. Excellent husband who's going to solve world peace and overhaul the government are going to talk to me directly.
0: Well, the good news is we've not seen any influence that Ivanka has had on Trump. Um, You know, she was said (laughs) to have been the one that was going to like really push forward his But she's been publicly
1: trying to downplay expectations on her lately. What's that? Like she's been in the news. Like she gave a few like small interviews or sent tweets or – she's had a few public statements where she's like – Alluded to how she wishes the public would lower their expectations on her influence. She can have
0: what expectation are we supposed to have of her? Like, what does she do otherwise? Exactly, that's how it was built up. That, but that, yeah, but that's what she's saying. So, God, and then you have her husband there who's probably going to be subpoenaed to testify in front of a you know, like whatever uh, his thing th- is about to go on.
1: The, the Kushner family business has already been subpoenaed about. Uh, financial transactions with Russian connections. So. I did
0: not have sexual relations with Russia. I did
1: not. I don't even know what movies look like. <laughs> I am a 12-year-old boy <laughs> in a 30 year old man's suit. Oh
0: my god. I, I was shocked when he started speaking. Honestly, about. like... Anyway, so let's talk a little bit about what we have going on uh, in the Senate right now. So backing up a little bit, we had Trump who was tweeting at um, his best friend, uh, excuse me, our attorney general, Jeff Sessions, uh, tweeting uh, really scathing criticisms from time to time. Ta- him a
1: beleaguered attorney general.
0: Yep. Um, calling him a beleaguered attorney general, really, I guess, laying the groundwork for either a resignation or a firing. And the fear was that utilizing uh, his powers during the uh, Senate recess, he would appoint someone into that position who would then potentially fire Mueller right. and... Uh, to try to quiet the Russian investigation. Right. So, what happened so, recently?
1: Right. So, the worry circulating around DC and in the media was that uh, post this healthcare failure, Mitch McConnell would put the Senate into their regular August recess, and Trump, having failed to publicly pressure Jeff Sessions into resigning, would just outright fire him. Um, or there was. Um, there were, some, there were some rumors of moving him over to Homeland Security oh, great. director, great. Um, but that was just a rumor. But anyway, the worry was that he would somehow remove Jeff Sessions from the attorney general position. And since uh, the president can recess a point while the Senate's in recess, he would just appoint without any need for approval a new attorney general who ostensibly would be willing to uh, fire Mueller and squash the whole Russian investigation, um, completely blindsiding me. Uh, I think just just yesterday, Mitch McConnell uh, put the Senate into recess but didn't put them into recess. So he basically closed out the legislative session, told senators they could go home, but the way he did it, he left the Senate in what's called pro forma session, which pro forma just basically means like um, sort of ad-libbed as-needed informal um, Uh, For a form. Um, So what that means is they are in session, but there is no actual requirement for senators to attend a pro forma session. So that counts as the, the Senate not being on recess. So what he's done is he has allowed all these senators to go home and Mitch McConnell has single handedly blocked Trump. From making any recess appointments, so the idea of firing Jeff Sessions to put somebody in place who's not recused from the investigation, who would fire Bob Mueller, that can't happen now, which is a good thing. Which
0: is a really interesting move from McConnell.
1: Yes, it was. I, I, to be honest with you, I can't even begin to speculate as to the only the only thing that makes sense is McConnell sees the writing on the wall. It's the only thing that makes sense. What writing is that? The, the writing that sticking by Trump at this point is politically untenable in the long term.
0: I would not go that far. But
1: but what other what other logic would Mitch McConnell make this decision? Well, the
0: Senate's not really on a real high point right now. They're on a roller coaster like straight to hell right now with not being able to pass health care. Right, and not Trump is furious any of about that. that.
1: So if Mitch McConnell was still in Trump's lap, why would he do something more to make him angry?
0: Because at the end of the day, he has to maintain the Senate and make sure that that re- remains a – you know, powerful entity that they believe they are. I guess. I
1: just, I completely did not see this move coming from McConnell. No, I
0: agree with you. It's really, it's different. It's something that was not expected. Even when you texted it to me today, I was like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, So that, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know that I'm at a point where I will look at anything that is being done by a Republican. Save
1: for a select few.
0: Mm, I don't know if I'd even go that. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess a, a select few of the select few issues. Right. Um, I don't know that I am comfortable in you know hanging my hat on anything that a Republican is doing uh, in belief that they are trying to rebuke Trump. And right. um, I, I do think one thing that is scarily uh, part of reality right now is what you actually just said that he sees a writing on the wall and he's trying to. Ultimately, preserve himself, and that right. pisses me off more than anything. Because the whole issue and the reason that we're in this goddamn mess is because we have senators and rep- uh, sen- senators and Republicans, I'm like senators and uh, representatives who are putting country second to their own so yep. individualistic views of what their party yeah. should be.
1: But speaking about McConnell trying to save himself, I have nothing to say about this other than I think it's a funny anecdote. Billboards have been popping up all over Kentucky uh, shitting on Mitch McConnell and, like, basically saying, like, we want you out of your Senate seat. And also, speaking of Senate seats, um, a full 70, either 71 or 75 or 78, one of those three numbers, <laughs> percent of Utah's believe that Orrin Hatch should not run for reelection in this coming cycle. Um, now that's rather telling, but if you look at the history of Utah and voters, that does not mean that they won't vote for him if he decides to run again anyway. But it is interesting to see that such a high percentage of Utah residents don't want Orrin Hatch to run again. Right. I mean, that's just, that just kind of tells you like, like even the reddest states are moderating in a sense, um, MSNBC did a great skit, uh, not skit, but yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they had uh, one of their like, field reporters who was in D.C. that they talked to on Morning Joe all the time, Mika
0: oh, yeah. Brzezinski,
1: uh, had her, asked her a question, and she said, I want you to find out what senators think about whether Trump is honest or not, because it, the, the poll came out that, what was it, like 62 percent of, of Americans think that Trump is dishonest. Right. So they just showed a video montage of her asking different senators, do you think Trump is honest? And Ted Cruz walked right by her, got into his car, and said, I'm not playing this game. Um, Lindsey Graham said, well, when you see all the public statements that he's put out, that he basically said you can publicly see that he's not honest without himself saying, I think he's dishonest. So that's Lindsey Graham feathering because he's a Republican. Uh, Orrin Hatch – this is why I, that story popped in my head. Orrin Hatch, without hesitation, said, yes, I think he's a very honest man. Like that was it. Uh, who else said interesting things? Oh, Rand Paul wouldn't talk to her either. Just got into his car. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean it was, it was pretty comical.
0: It is pretty comical. It's, uh, it's, it's an interesting – Reality that we're living in right now—that they're the type of stories that are, or the type of reporting that's going uh, on—in that you're trying to figure out, um, you know, who who believes in Trump, who believes in the movement, who believes in their party, where are they at?
1: Well, when you also, also, it's kind of funny though, and and entertaining too, and sad, and, and there are a lot of negative things, but it is entertaining that there's kind of been this convergence between, like, in the media. The way they're reporting on this administration is like at this point trolling the administration, but at the same time, it's still like accurate reporting. Like the whole like like ambushing reporters and asking, "Do you think the president's not his person?" Like that's a like that's a funny video to see these re- senators react out of nowhere to that question, and it's a bit of like you know MSNBC trolling the Senate, but at the same time. That's, like, a real question we want answered. Like, who believes in the Senate? Who, which representatives of ours believe he's an honest man? Like, that's something we need to know. Who believes in the Senate? <laughs> right. Like, we, we're seeing this convergence between, like, like, I guess my point is, you know you're in a dangerous spot as a country when trolling the presidential administration and the government in general is equivalent to actual reporting. Like when you reach that point, you're kind of in a bad place as a country, don't you
0: think? Well, you know, uh, I would not argue we're in a good place. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know who else would probably not argue we're in a good place? Who's and that? You like these transitions tonight? They're I going love really these smooth. Transitions. They're very obvious, but they're Segwaying smooth. Segwaying like a pro. <laughs> um, that
1: ja- is how you pivot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the second Friends reference of the <laughs> evening. Um, anyway, so we will find the third Friends reference in a few minutes. But we have. Uh, uh, always talked a little bit about books on this podcast, uh, especially when we're talking about the candidates that may run in twenty twenty. Campaignometer, Campaign-o-meter. Um, uh, Hillary for one is releasing another book, just so we know. What um, happened? You know, what? Not happened. a question. It's a statement. <laughs> just read her book. Shattered. Not her book. Read the book. Shattered. Shattered. It's yeah. been done, Hill. Uh, but anyway, so um, uh, this week we also got news that. Uh, James Comey has finally inked his deal. Two
1: million dollar
0: book. Time. I will buy that book. I, I
1: will if, buy that book three times over. We
0: should hold like in like, you know, when we get a, a lot of listeners, like we already have, but a lot more. Um we should hold like a Harry Potter-ish event at Barnes Noble and Noble like when that comes out. <laughs> that would <was> be amazing.
1: <laughs> uh no, sorry, I'm gonna buy it four different ways. I'm gonna buy the audiobook, <laughs> I'm gonna buy the ebook, I'm gonna buy the hardcover, and buy the
0: softcover. It's called a paperback. No one calls it a soft cover.
1: I just did. <laughs>
0: yeah, I don't read. It's
1: Friday. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh,
0: so w- he just thinks his book deal, but we also uh, have a book out from Senator Jeff Flake, which is really interesting. So a little background He's been on
1: this: tearing into Trump this week on the on the on the
0: news. He has so Senator Jeff Flake of Arizona, who uh, just reached an eighteen uh, percent approval rating in his home Ooh, state, which right. is really interesting. Um, Wait,
1: reached as in plummeted to, or plummeted to, as in back plummeted
0: from to. From okay. Um, Is uh, has a new book coming out called Conscience of a Conservative. So this is a book that is focused on really trying to understand how the Conservative Party got to the point that it has in terms of uh, Trump being elected and really where it goes from here. One of the really interesting uh, pieces of it is that he is very critical of Trump, as Dante just mentioned. He's very critical of the party that allowed Trump to step into the forefront. And uh, uh, really looking at the full picture, one of the quotes – from the book is that these are the spasms of a dying party.
1: Yeah. Well, I think – you know what? I, I I didn't really pay much attention to Jeff Flake before this week really because who pays attention to a senator from Arizona who isn't John McCain? Um, but if you're not from Arizona. <laughs> uh, I gained a pretty decent respect for Jeff Flake watching him talk about his book because – and this is quite frankly something that like I – used to resonate with the Republican party for a lot of the reasons that Jeff Flake was saying on the podcast, right? Is that like the Republican party that we've seen today and we've seen pretty much over the past 10 years is not what conservatism is not what being a Republican is supposed to be about. Being a conservative is supposed to be about finding and recognizing the principles that have guided us to success throughout our history and sticking to them and, and, growing our country with those tried and true principles and being uh, you know being being fiscally responsible and and being level-headed and stable when it comes to foreign policy. Those are the basic principles of being a conservative. And when you look at the Republican Party over the last 10 years, that is not at all he, he said it himself, I think the way he put it was this is a party that has caved in its conservatism and given into populism.
0: Well, and regarding that, the New Yorker has a really good article out right now that is focused on uh, just discussing the uh, anti Trump sentiments that Flake, that Flake shares. God, could you imagine President Flake? Um, but anyway, so. Did he come to dinner now? Nah, he's a Flake. <laughs> now he's a Flake. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Well, wow. uh, but anyway, so um, th- they do a good job of uh, discussing the book and discussing his uh, – how he's really gotten to this point uh, in his career as a Republican and as a conservative, I-, I should say. Um, one of the excerpts that's provided here is that he states never has a party so quickly or so easily abandoned its principles as my party did during the 2016 campaign. Uh, he said that the party did it because it was quick and easy and the real world is hard. Uh, the way that he refers to Trump is essentially a wannabe authoritarian, uh, and really focuses and references the, let me see the, uh, his love of, um, authoritarian figures, he calls them, or he references Trump's ongoing affection for authoritarians and strong men and saying that it was almost uh, impossible to believe. So it's a very interesting uh a book that came out in terms of a Republican not only voicing concern about President Trump and the direction of the party, but putting it into writing and you know yeah. he's gonna make a lot off of this book oh, yeah. just because I mean, of, that
1: that is like that's the most concrete like I do not support this president even though he's technically my party that any Republican senator has put out yet. Like this guy wrote a book about how he does not support what his party is doing. Right. No other – not even John McCain has been that like – Stark about where he stands.
0: So we have one other thing that we wanted to touch on before we get to discussion of the big story of the week in our eyes. Yes. Uh, and that is Lindsey Graham. So talk a little bit, Dante, about right. what Lindsey Graham did this so week. So
1: Lindsey Graham, I don't think – he wasn't interviewed on any of the major news networks about this, but he was um, – like he didn't he didn't appear on any of the major shows, but he was interviewed by reporters. Um, as, as most people probably know at this point, um, if not – North Korea continues to advance their nuclear missile program. Uh, just recently, uh, the powers that be in this country that are responsible for projecting things like when North Korea will have a nuclear missile capable of reaching the mainland United States, they uh, decreased their estimate. They, at one point were are saying North Korea will have a missile capable of reaching mainland U S by 2020. They, decrease that to the summer of 2018. They will be capable of nuking mainland, uh, the mainland of the United States. Um, and just earlier this week, or was it late last week, something like that, they carried out another missile test. The, the missile um, successfully climbed 2,300 miles above the surface, um, which is, uh, for those of you that don't really uh, – Follow ballistic missile technology (laughs) that much. The point of an ICBM is that it actually climbs out of the atmosphere, travels for a while, uh... Not under power, but travels for a while in a sort of semi-orbit, then
0: comes down on top of its target. Do you follow ballistic missiles? Is that like one of your things? I'm up on on the technology. For those of you that don't follow ballistic missiles, well, like if
1: you don't understand the physics of what an ICBM does, like it doesn't fly through the air under rocket power like a regular like tomahawk or something like that. It actually leaves the atmosphere, semi-orbits, and then once it's above the location on Earth where it wants to, it drops out of the. You have a
0: strange, varied knowledge base. I really do.
1: But anyway, so the fact that they successfully launched a missile 2,300 miles straight up and it came down somewhere in the Sea of Japan basically says that they can get their missiles now to an altitude where they can reach uh, as far as Washington, D.C. Um, and this sort of set everybody in the U.S. off. And long story short, we're getting back to Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham was on the news in in, in interviews saying um, he's had – In-person conversations with the president and based off of those conversations, he is – Lindsey Graham was telling reporters with the utmost confidence that whether it's a good thing or not, unless North Korea backs off of its nuclear missile program and denuclearizes under President Trump – we will enter into armed conflict with North Korea over their nuclear missile program if North Korea does not step down, if China does not step in to intervene. So that was a pretty ominous warning from uh, a senator who's been a pretty... Hello? <laughs> from a senator who's been a pretty straight talker uh, as, of, as of late, pretty much throughout his whole career. But, uh, so anyway, just a, an ominous thing to keep an eye on, sort of.
0: Um, yeah, I mean, it, the the worry there is that for a long, long time, and it's it's probably a, at least a decade, the biggest fear and the biggest conversation piece has been that uh, if we were to engage in something with North Korea, that that would lead to World War III. Yeah, because... Of all the parties involved. And,
1: and so, I mean, to level kind of a heavy statement like that, you kind of have to explain it a little bit. The The, the short version of the story is... Uh China basically uses North Korea as a buffer to keep American troops off of their border because America is allies with Japan and South Korea. China is kind of adversarial with Japan and South Korea because of how imperialistic China is in that area. Um, and since America is allied with South Korea, they have tro- – America has troops stationed in all their allied countries. They're actually the only country that does that, um, which is another discussion. But anyway – China basically is using North Korea as a buffer to keep American troops off their borders. Um, The other thing – so that's one incentive where China doesn't want to destabilize North Korea because they like having that buffer. The other reason they don't want North Korea to collapse is because if war were to break out, if something were to happen where North Korea felt threatened enough and South Korea and the US were to invade from the south, you would immediately have – Thousands, potentially millions of North Koreans flooding over the border into China... ...and China does not want to deal with a refugee crisis when it's having a tough enough time... ...the Communist Party in China is having a tough enough time uh, containing its own population. And so all of that boils into his, Joe's World War III comment that basically... ...if the U.S. were to start an armed conflict in North Korea... ...China would feel the need to get involved to protect that buffer and to protect the current world order... And if China and the U.S. get into an armed conflict, China and Russia share a border, you can bet your ass Russia is getting involved. And now Russia and China are fighting the U.S. and South Korea. That and that's means World War. That's that means the rest
0: war. of NATO is getting involved, and now we're in World War. And what worries me most about this is that when you have someone in the White House who, as we've had in the past, whether or not you agree with their politics or not, I've said this time and time again, Dante, you and I have had this conversation, mm-hmm. George Bush is someone that I never agreed with many of his politics, but I did agree or did respect the fact that he was a man that stuck to his principles. Yep. Um, you know, you knew where he stood on stuff. Right. What bothers me the most is that we do have a president who is unhinged, who does things to distract from a larger story that he continues to say is unfounded, that he continues to say doesn't really hold any water. Meaning the investigation into Russia. However, he. Releases a transgender ban on Twitter without even consulting the military leaders. Uh, you know, he, he throws every deflection out there in terms of uh, hiring and firings or other policy points or other arguments with, uh, you know, Jeff Sessions. That whole thing can be argued as a uh, potential distraction from larger things going on. Um, the, it worries me to death that you have someone in there. That could make that decision as commander-in-chief, who does not have a great staff around him. Right. I mean, there's smart people there, and that that's not to take any respect or any you no, know, have, anything away from people I mean, that are there. You,
1: you can't You can't disrespect the careers and the accomplishments of General Madison, and General McMaster. They are very accomplished, very well respected generals. And You know, it's not exactly – like while they are obviously Republican-leaning, it's not entirely clear that they're exactly – it's never been clear that they're completely gung-ho on Trump's agenda, right? Like long-time military guys, it's very possible that a part of the reason they decided to work with Trump is because they feel an obligation to sort of protect the country from within. Whether you believe that or not, that's not. – I'm just saying that's an angle. Whether you believe it or not, you cannot disparage and disrespect guys that have given as much. Well. No, and
0: I never would. I mean, But I think what bothers me the most is that we're at this point where that's our last hope, right? We need right. to hope that the people well, that are the still point. there are the people that are going to hold – that want to hold him back from doing something stupid. Well, but that, that sort of creates another crisis, an internal crisis in and of itself, right? Like what if Trump
1: decides, I'm going to nuke Russia? And McMaster and Mattis are saying, you really shouldn't do that. But Trump says, no, I want to do it anyway. And Ma- McMaster and Mattis are saying, do I let this man start World War III or do I effectively have a coup in, in, in the most powerful democracy in the world? Like that – like that, there, it's a small chance, but there's a non-zero chance that we get to that point.
0: Non-zero chance. Non-zero. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where we're where we are with that, where we're going with that. It's it's worrisome all around. But uh, so let's talk about the big thing that happened this week. Happened just yesterday. News came down. Here we uh, go. As we know, we there's an ongoing Russia probe that uh, Special Counsel uh, Robert Mueller Bobby is <laughs> hey, Bobby um, is investigating. Um, he's leading the investigation into Russia's alleged interference. He's also leading the investigation into uh, some other related potential financial crimes and other things of that sort. Um, what we found out yesterday was that, what news broke yesterday, I should say, is that uh, Robert Mueller is going to use or is using a federal grand jury.
1: He has paneled a brand new grand jury. Which I believe is between DC.
0: 16 and 23 people yep. um, to present evidence and then utilizing that uh, grand jury to issue subpoenas and uh, ultimately potentially indictments. Right. Um, so we wanted to talk a little bit about what that means and how it's a little a uh, different. So a lot of people think that that is like the damning piece of evidence here that, that he's presenting that evidence essentially that because he's going for a grand jury that there must be crimes and that's not that's not necessarily what no. is happening. So no. within paneling a uh, a grand jury, essentially what Mueller is saying is that he believes that the work that he and his team who His team, which encompasses some of the top lawyers in the country, some of the top investigators, um, they believe they have enough evidence to move forward with – issuing subpoenas for specific documents, issuing, uh, you know... Uh, Compelling uh, witnesses com- to testify. That was the term I was looking without for.
1: Without lawyer representation present.
0: And ultimately, uh, potentially getting to the point where they do issue indictments. Right. And, you know, charges are present down right. the road. So while this is not a, a, a big, you know, oh my God, here it is, here's the report, here's what we found. What it is, is a huge step it's a showing huge that they do have... Probably a boatload of evidence right. what um, is not, that leads what them to this What it is not
1: is a guarantee of indictment. Not at right. all. What it is is a huge step and an indication that they probably have a good deal of evidence to take to this grand jury.
0: Right. Right. And, and that's what we're going to have to see. I mean grand juries are locked down. You never know what will be discussed in a grand jury Right. Um, however, what you will be able to see is the fruits of the labor. So you'll see what subpoenas are issued. You'll see yep. uh, you know, who is compelled to testify. You'll see all that stuff. Also,
1: when witnesses testify to grand juries, they are under oath, and lying to a grand jury is a very serious felony. Yeah. You will not see – now here's the other thing that we can potentially see. I don't think anybody that would be uh, – uh, Interviewed as a witness in in this – with this grand jury will do this. But what is possible with a grand jury, grand jury testimonies are not uh, made public. Like you can't watch them like you can a public senate hearing or something like that. But – and and grand jury panelists themselves, jurists themselves cannot talk about what was discussed during interviews. But the person being interviewed can walk out of a grand jury interview and if they want – they can tell the media exactly what they said if they want. There's no law against that. Right. So I'm not saying that will happen because the people I'm thinking they're going to wind up interviewing will probably want to keep their mouth shut anyway. Oh, for the book deal. <laughs> right. But there is a chance that somebody could walk out and say, yeah, this is what was discussed. This is kind of like where they were." the investigation seems to be leaning.
0: So there's one other very interesting piece of uh, this grand jury that is I think going to play a very important role. Um, down the road, and what that is is the fact that it was impaneled in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. So you look at Washington, D.C., and you see that it is heavily Democratic. Heavily Democratic. But what happens with impaneling uh, into... Uh, in D.C. means that any down the road, the indictments, the charges would be through D.C., which means that if there's a jury trial down the road, that jury will be chosen from D.C., and you're playing with a democratic, heavily well, Democratic trial. The, the other
1: thing that's interesting about... Uh, grand juries is typically, not always, but typically the grand juries are impaneled near where basically the nexus of the crimes have occurred. Right? So that basically indicates what I mean by that is the fact that a grand jury was impaneled to look into these things in DC probably means the nexus of Mueller's investigation leads to DC. Right? Like if. Should if, we have impaneled one in Moscow? Well, if they had jurisdiction, sure they would have. (laughs) Um, Right, like, so what I'm saying is if if the grand jury was impaneled in New York, that probably gives a hint that the main focus of this investigation was Trump's financial and business dealings uh, post-elect, pre-election, before he got involved when he was just a, a real estate tycoon in New York. The fact that it was impaneled in D.C. means the crux, the meat of the issue really is ro- likely related to things that happen in D.C.
0: What do you chuckle? At? I don't know. Uh, for some reason, I just started thinking of like Trump all in the Oval Office, and I started saying, just a small town girl. <laughs> <laughs> what? I have no idea where that popped up from. This is a very interesting story. I think that it's a... Uh, a huge development, and actually, a much it's happening much quicker than I expected. So a lot of yeah. a lot of people on you know Twitter, a lot of people on Facebook, a lot of people on social media uh, are always talking about how they don't understand why things aren't moving faster. And I think the one thing that there's two things. One is that we are at the level where a grand jury is being uh, impaneled. That's number one. Number two is the fact that in a world of leaks, where you have a uh, a White House that is leaking incredibly like. Every day, yep. right? And I guess Sessions Today announced or said something like they have like three times as many Yeah, they uh, the amount of
1: investigations. Yeah. Teams,
0: yeah. Uh, the one thing is that you're not hearing anything about Mueller's team. And that is, I, I think, a testament to the professionalism. Uh, but it's also probably a testament to the fact that when this news does come out, it's probably going to be pretty oh, big. yeah. Um, so let's keep an eye on that. Um, you wanted to mention something. To yes. Me, okay. So me. that's
1: actually a very good sentence. So let's
0: preface this. We were talking for a good 45 minutes about random stuff before we, uh, we started recording here and yeah. Dante said he wanted to bring something up to me without telling me what it was going to be well, uh, a, because he wants a, my reaction. There's a
1: theory about the leaks and I'm going to give you a little lead up because what we were just talking about is a good segue. So, you know, Kelly has come in as the new Secretary of State saying his, the number one item on his agenda is killing the leaks. Mooch, when he was in town, said that he, w- he wants to kill all the leakers. He'll fire everybody if that's what it takes to stop the leaks. Mooch when he was in town for a week. <laughs> yeah. When he came to visit. Um, Sessions just saying that they're tripling investigations into leaks. When you think about it, and, and this is me giving – this is not necessarily the views I'm about to express. Are not necessarily my own, but ones I have heard from other people just regurgitated by me. So here's the preface. When you think about leaks and leaking, while, yes, they have been damaging to the Trump administration, they've also been a source of fuel to enrage and bolster his base. Trump, won largely by attacking the media. (laughs) He's shaking his head, Joe. I think Joe already knows where I'm going. I still want to talk about it. So he won largely by enraging the media uh, – enraging his base against the media. Um, and every time essentially that a leak comes out, all the Trump administration does is yell about how – look, see how dishonest the media is? They're, they're publishing illegal leaks, which by the way, not, you know, not all leaks that they have published have been illegal. And if uh, – somebody decides to give something to the media, it's not illegal for them to publish it. Uh, But that's beside the point. The theory... But I digress. The theory that was talked about a little bit this morning... By who? MSNBC and Morning Joe. Mika Brzezinski. Uh, Yeah, well, yeah, she's a... I mean this in the nicest, most mundane way, but she is very much a bleeding heart liberal. Which is amazing that she's dating Joe Scarborough. Although he's a pretty moderate conservative. Anyway, anyway. Come back
0: to us, please. I digress.
1: (laughs) I digress. Um, The theory that she was pushing, at least about the leaked transcripts of his call with the Mexican president and the Australian prime minister. if you think about it, yes, it makes the Trump administration look kind of bad. Not terrible, though. Doesn't make him look awful. And it also doesn't paint the Mexican and Australian prime ministers in that great of a light either, because you hear them saying, "Like, look, I know thing A, but this thing B is what I need to be saying to my people." And you hear them talking about that. There's a theory out there that Trump himself is leaking certain things just so he can make a kerfuffle over it to his base about how dishonest the media is and how bad leakers are and how bad everybody's out against him.
0: Who is he leaking this to? In this, uh, the people who are reporting stupid it. Stupid theory. Whoever published the
1: Washington Post, they're the ones that publish the transcripts.
0: You don't think that the Washington Post would be very quick to discuss who's leaking? because they protect their sources. When have you ever in your life known the Washington Post to to completely expose a source? So tell me, uh, Trump's going to leak to the publications that are literally tearing his administration apart. Because here's why. And here's why I bring it up in the first place. Can you back up like, in that chair? I'm a little nervous. No. And like I said,
1: I am not necessarily saying I believe this story, but I'm saying there's something worth discussing is all I'm saying. Yes, these news sources, New York Times, Washington Post, MSNBC, they've been going after Trump. They've been tearing him a new one. But to his base, who he's obviously pandering to and cares only about them, his base is already ignoring everything all those sources are saying. Every negative piece, the Washington Post, New York Times, MSNBC, all these guys, CNN, every single negative piece they put out against Trump, they scream fake news and they're just out to get our president and they're evil and they're out to destroy this country. So those negative stories do nothing to hurt him when they come from those sources. And by giving these those same sources, things to publish, that they can go turn around and say, ah, more leaks. The media is trying to hurt us more by using illegal leaks. All that does is serve to bolster and reinforce the base that supports him, essentially. And I'm not saying I think it's Trump – I personally think it's Trump doing it. I don't. But that effect is still true. Whether or not we all react differently to, oh my god, look at what was just leaked, yeah, Leaking in a presidential administration isn't great, but look at the content of these leaks. Holy shit. Like, that's how most people look at it. Trump's base just sees another leak against Trump. Oh, everybody's out to get him. They're out to get us, too. We need to stand by our president. And it's just bolstering his support with his base. So that's the only piece of it out there that that is undeniably true. And I guess could somehow lead you to the theory that Trump is at least encouraging these leaks. Again, I personally don't believe this, but it's out there
0: and I just wanted to get your, your raw reaction to that on recording. Here's my, my raw reaction. I think that we are having a lot of conspiracy talk in terms of the fact that we believe that there are people that are still staying in the White House, that are taking the positions that they are, because they are the ones that want to, like, stand up for America. But it's they are Trump- also people that can be dismissed very easily. So I don't believe in that whole narrative. It's no, Trump's America. Hold on. Conspiracy's reign supreme. Do you want my reaction, or do you want to continue to jump in? Oh, a little do bit Do you want to go back to, like, three pods ago where I told you to shut up, like, 14 times? We'll call me little zombie. Okay. We'll figure it out. Um, but anyway, so we got that. Number two, I do not believe that Trump is even smart enough to, one, develop the relationships to uh, be able to lead to the reporters. I don't Number think two, I don't think that he is able to uh, maintain those relationships and really nurture those relationships. Number three, I don't think that people at The Washington Post, The New York Times, Huffington Post, were, uh, BuzzFeed, um, even Drudge is freaking turning on Trump now. I don't think that you really have any – anybody there that's going to want to maintain that relationship while also tearing them down on the other – in the other column of their page. So let me
1: play devil's advocate. No,
0: not yet because I'm okay. not done. <laughs> so what really irritates me about that is that he is not in a role to have that contact. And what really bothers me and incredibly is that I think that we are always focused on the people that we see in the news. The Sean Spicers, the Kellyanne Conways, the General Kellys, the Donald Trumps, the Ryan Previses, Uh, The Scaramucci's, um, all of those. What we're not thinking about are the staffers in the White House who are also dealing with this bullshit on a day-to-day basis, right? You have people and everyone brings in their – new. every administration brings in their people, right? Like um, I I always go to like thinking about the West Wing, but we know that it's not as pleasant as the West Wing show. Um, But what I – what bothers me the most is that you have – where these leaks are coming from are from someone who is disgruntled. It may be multiple people who are disgruntled. It doesn't even have to be a major like, hey, look what I got. Don't tell them it's me. It may be a passing comment. It may be a drink like at one of the hotel bars. It may be whatever it may be in D.C. Um, or it may be a, someone at one point floated Kellyanne Conway. Or it might be Sean Spicer in the past. That may, that may be why he went. Maybe Priebus, which is what Scaramucci was saying.
1: You know, I don't disagree with anything you're saying? Who
0: the hell knows? Um, but do I don't think that like we're at a point. Advocate? I don't think we're at a point where Trump is. I, I honestly do not believe that he is intelligent enough to do that. <laughs> I really do not.
1: I agree with you. Devil's advocate. What if he? I think he's all right. Look, I'm not going to say he's a successful businessman, but he is a businessman. What if he? Realizes that his base freaking out about leaks against him is only helping him with his base. So he's not leaking anything. But he has a few people designated as leakers that he tells to leak.
0: But I don't even think that that's accurate because when you're looking at all these polls that are coming out and you're seeing some polls that arguably could be more democratic and conservative, whatever, but there's also those polls that his base is eroding in certain areas based on promises that he made, right? Like you have the whole healthcare debacle. You, that's one big piece. You see the coal industry who's like, oh, shit, we're not getting our jobs back. Right. Because coal isn't a thing anymore in our, in our world. Yeah. Um, you know, there's all all these promises that he made are quickly eroding, even, you know, as uh, two card carrying homosexuals here talking about this uh, shocker. Um, we, you, know, you have the people that uh, were shocked last week when that transgender issue was, was tweeted about I was not shocked in the slightest I mean we, uh, there was a whole thing uh, LGBTs for Trump when he held the flag up upside down first but when he had that the, like, holding up the gay pride flag and whoever believed that that actually was a, a value that he held that he believed that this, that if he believes in any community the only community that he believes in is the wealthy Republican communities that he's trying to give a tax break through any means necessary? Yeah. They start. They're saying that they're moving on the tax to taxes soon to the massive tax cuts That's and what? the tax bill. Whatever they already started that it was called healthcare. You That's what they were have, doing with health care. You got
1: to deal with the debt ceiling first.
0: Well, yeah, and let's see that shit show. But see, you have competent people I, trying to deal I with, with even, the debt ceiling. I don't even
1: think you could say he believes in wealthy Republicans either because he's been a Democrat his whole life. Let's not forget this who's donated to Hillary Clinton's campaigns, who's donated to Chuck Schumer campaigns. I mean, this is not a guy who's a lifelong Republican. He's just a rich guy who wants to help himself get
0: more rich. He's just a rich boy from a rich family. I switched it. So um, Dante has to run. But one thing that I want to do real quick, because I have a few questions. Not actually run, because ill, but I have to go. Oh, that was weird. So, one, I want—I have a few questions here that I've been thinking about, and I want to get your reaction. Yep. Um, they're, quick, fire. they're quick questions, and yep. I want to see your reaction real quick. So, keep it short. Yep. But will Chris Christie finally get a job in the White House now?
1: No, I hate him. You, <laughs> no, you hate him. No, he will never get – no, no, no. He, you can't you, – you don't do what Trump did to him during the campaign and then give him a job in your administration.
0: Will America's right. mayor, Rudy Giuliani, get a job in the White House?
1: God, I hope not. I'd give it like a 30% chance.
0: Interesting. Can I still watch the WWE if Linda McMahon is in the Trump administration? Yes. Okay. How long will Kelly be in the chief of staff role? Nine months. Will the mooch get hired by CNN? No. No? Why? They've already said they won't hire him. Will Paul Manafort go to jail? Yes. Okay. Okay. Is Kellyanne Conway the smartest woman in the world for what she's doing or an actual whack job? Neither. She's just in it for the money. Follow-up question. Is she kept in the closet or the basement? Basement. Basement. Got it. Yeah. Um, why did Jared's voice never develop?
1: Uh, I think the last thing his father did before he was hauled out to jail
0: was kick him in the nuts so hard his voice went bad. Interesting. Would you vote for Hillary again? Mmm, silence there. Look at this thinking. It's hurting his head. If it was against Donald Trump,
1: yes. If it was against anybody else, no, never
0: again. Like him. who?
1: Name a person. Nikki Haley. I'd vote for Nikki Haley. Interesting. Why? I just think this country needs to move on from the whole era of late 20th century politics, and the Clintons and the Bushes are a huge part of that, and I want them gone.
0: Would you have a beer with Sean Spicer?
1: 100%. Would
0: you have a beer with the Mitch? 100%. Would you have a beer with Reince Priebus? Ranked
1: penis? No, he seems like a sleep ball.
0: Yeah, I don't like him. Um, I don't think he has any convictions. One other question. So at this point, we've spent a uh, couple months really developing this podcast, getting to the point where we are, talking about 2020 candidates, and that's the main focus. But of course, we want to talk about everything else that's going on in the world. I mean, how can you not? Of course, you can't ignore it. Um, but at this point, I have someone in my mind that I am 100% fully on board their 2020 candidacy. Oh, but I want to hear... If you have anyone that you're leaning towards right now, anyone, anyone,
1: I would, mm, I don't know because like personality wise, I'd really love somebody like Al Franken in the white house, but I just personally am not as progressive on so many things as Al Franken is. So policy wise, objectively, I don't know if I would agree with him. I don't
0: want an to Al Franken, so I don't like that answer, and I want someone that you really believe in.
1: Okay. Uh God, somebody I really believe
0: in. I'm not saying I don't like Al Franken, I'm just saying I don't believe he's presidential material. Okay. I mean As discussed.
1: My disagreement podcast. there, but whatever. Um, yeah, uh, go back
0: and watch listen to our
1: watch. Listen to our Al Franken pod, it was really good. Um, we should do a podcast on like Facebook Live
0: one night. Yeah. Okay, anyway, who do you want? Come on.
1: I don't. That's a hard question. I am very jaded about the future of our political candidacy. I don't have anybody in my head that I'm like, oh my god, if
0: they ran. So I have two people. One, if it was a Republican, I would, and I've said this before, and we talked about it last week on the podcast, Nikki Haley I'm very in tune with. I like the way that she's playing the game right now. If I had to
1: vote for a Republican, it would be John Kasich 100 times out of 100.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would do that too. Um, But I think, Nikki Haley, I'm excited to see where she goes and how she develops. I think she has a lot more to do. Uh, to get to her, um, you know, that, that place. Uh, but one other piece or one other person that I'm really interested in, uh, and I said this to you last week, um, very much on the Joe Biden 2020 train. I, I love are. Joe Biden. I've always loved Joe Biden. I think that he is one of the purest um, individuals we've ever had serve in the government. He is. I, uh, we talked weeks ago when we were discussing Joe Biden and whether he would run or not about how he needs to stay relevant and find a way to do it. Um, one thing I sent to Dante the other night was uh, that he's – Joe Biden's on a tour right now. Yes. He's starting a tour. I think he's coming in November um, discussing different topics regarding well, the country and yeah. his life and all of that. Um, fun fact that I didn't tell you is uh, I got two tickets to the November one, so <gasps> you and I are going to that. Hell yeah. But anyway, um, so we got that. Uh, I, I really am excited to see what he does now because I think that he is – being smart about launching his platform. Yeah. Um, what I will say is, he needs to do it soon, and I think that the this tour that he's doing is exciting, um, very and more than we thought he would be doing. But he needs to figure out a way to get back into the mainstream media. Because one thing that we saw in uh, after 2008 was at Hillary him, him Hall for a long time trying to figure out the right way to go about things and ultimately failed doing it. Yep. Um, again, read shattered. It's such an interesting read. Uh, but I, Joe Biden 2020, I'm all about it. I said this to you the other day.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I love Joe Biden as a person. Love him to death. I still am not confident in his
0: policy depth. You know, I want to hear from him. If he can give me policy depth, I'm on board. There's a couple things there. I think, number one, I think that he is someone that can unite the Democratic Party in a way that
1: it, uh, is
0: needed right now. Um, yeah, I, I, I do think that. that we no. saw the Democratic Party come together on the health care vote. That's one thing I if, will say. If
1: he runs, I think the Obama coalition of
0: voters come right back out. And well, I think Obama comes right back out for him. What about Vice President Obama? Um, so, he would never do it. I, know. I think that – I I think that's a real possibility. I think that you see – he has a lot of uh, fuel behind him if he definitely goes in that route and decides to run. He has the Obama coalition behind him. He'll get the Hillary coalition ultimately um, even though they hated each other. He'll get the
1: Bernie coalition He'll get
0: the Bernie coalition because here's the thing. Everyone talks about how fractured the Democratic Party is right now. But when it comes to 2020, they're going to be united as shit. Oh, yeah. Um, So we have that. So sorry, just like a 15-second tangent off of that.
1: There's been some interesting discussions that I've read and watched uh, on the news that, like,
0: in my soft cover books,
1: talking about how the conception is that the Democrats are a fractured party and can't win anything, but really, as of late, governing, it's been the Republican Party, who seems fractured. Then, talking about uniting to win elections, the point has been made that the Democrats have the easiest platform to run on for the next election cycle, which is... Let's get Donald Trump out of here. Right. You can pretty much have a Democratic wave if you push. We're not Donald Trump hard enough. What you can't push on that message is governing afterwards. And this is the exact same thing that Republicans are going through now is where they won in 2010 on a wave of let's get Obama out of here. Now, ultimately failed because he was a two-term president, but that was their only message, and they didn't have one unified message to hide behind or to, to rally behind, so they can't govern. But We're that's also that.
0: why Hillary failed. Hillary failed because and I'm just she saying, got out. on danger. Hillary failed. We <laughs> Hold on, to because Hillary failed because she deviated from any message in terms of policy. She had just, no message. She in fell policy. into the Trump trap. Right. Um, you know, then, uh, of course, I mean, hey, it makes sense. We get why that happened, right? What, but yeah. what you're seeing now is that the Repo- the Democratic Party needs to come together and figure out what their messaging is going to be. They just released uh, some tidbits, whatever. I, I'm still not sold with it. That new slogan is bad. Right, it's, it's too stupid. It does it's so long stupid. Long. Uh, but who knows what it will be in four years, uh, or three years, where are we at? Um,
1: yeah, three years. You know,
0: we'll see what, well, I mean, Think about it. We're already 2017. You're going to see things launching in what another another year. You're going to start hearing like more and more people throwing their hats in a ring. And as, just, as we say all the time, what a year this week is. <laughs> Which is my favorite tweet ever. But anyway, so uh, we are going to be back on Monday morning discussing Senator Jeff Flake. That was right as well. You know,
1: just released his book.
0: Right, talked remember? about him a little bit earlier. We'll yeah. talk about him now. Um, A lot of people are seeing him as someone who can step in and really drive that anti-Trump Republican train. So we'll discuss that when Ben is back with us. I'm sure Ben will have a lot of great opinions on that. Can't wait. Um, But uh, before we go, I just want to make a mention here that Dante just told me that he actually believes that he really is a Bernie bro at heart. So uh, I just want to leave that and we will see you on Monday.